So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley, your host today. Thank you so much for being here. Look, uh, for starters, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. If you're driving your car, if you're heading to work, if you're heading back from work, you might be running on a treadmill. I did that for the first time in five years last night. Uh, I'm just glad you're listening. Look, the entire purpose of this podcast is to help you grow your business. And there's so many different ways that we do this. We're oftentimes talking about um, really stepping up, providing more value uh, to your leads, to your clients, understanding the value that you have as a business owner. Look, uh, I'm really excited about today's guest because we're going to be talking about ways that you can do both of these things. I have today Beth Oh man, Beth, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to have to give me some grace, Beth, Beth Teichman. Hopefully I got that right. Beth Teichman. She's a professional editor, indomitable, indomitable leader, captain of shenanigans at starboard editing. We're talking outsourcing today, but probably a few other things is my guess, because things get weird when Beth and I uh, hop into a conversation together. Uh, Beth, welcome to the show. How did I do on your name? Teichman? Yeah, you got it. Oh, good thing. I, I I like, I got to that point and I was like, oh no, I'm going to mess it up. Thank you for your grace. Beth, look, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I had a plate of French fries for lunch. So like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is really cool. I had, oh man, we're, we're just, I think we should just talk about our poor, um, our poor decision-making <laughs> today. Uh, not that that was poor decision-making on your part, but mine was. Um, so uh, I had three um, Krispy Kreme donuts today. Uh, um, one of our photographers, his wife came in and she brought two, there's only four of us here at the office today. And she brought two dozen donuts, two dozen donuts. Anyhow, I had three of them. And then another photographer, Ben's wife, uh, came in today and she brought, uh, Wendy's, uh, chicken nuggets. And so poor decision-making left and right. Uh, I think we need to pull ourselves out of this, this, uh, out of these habits. What do you say, Beth? I, you know, like it, yes, but also at the same time, I think it's also important to acknowledge that they happen <laughs> <laughs> instead of being like, no, I must be ashamed. Be like, you know what? Today I had French fries for lunch. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, you know what? Waving the white flag. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to make poor decisions. Um, I've waved it. The white flag has been waved. Beth, where are you calling from? Where are you out of? Uh, I live in Wisconsin. So, nice. Um, How do you feel about that? You know, I, I have feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it's, you know, it's really cheap where I live. Um, and, but the downside is that it's really cold in the winter and we just got like a foot of snow, no less than like a, like a week or a week and a half ago or something in like April. So that was pretty crappy. Yeah. Uh, like, so the snow and the weather really sucks, but I like that it's really cheap because then if I want to, I can travel and stay other places longer without having to worry about it as much. So like, that's the, that's the benefit or the balance that I draw with it is like, yeah, it's cheap, but if I wanted to go travel for like a month or something, like that's much more doable. So yeah. 
That's awesome. Is that something do you, you do? Do you travel a lot? Yeah. So like, I, um, you know, I do a little bit. Um, I've been to a few different places. I've been to Argentina, Korea, South Korea. Um, important to make that distinction. Um, <laughs> North, no, I've been to North Korea. <laughs> you'd be like, what? Did you go with Dennis Rodman? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, where else have I gone? Uh, Greece. And I'll be going to Romania in a couple of weeks, actually, like, like just shy of three weeks. So I'm definitely getting out there a little bit. So it's only like once a year, every other year, but ideally the goal will be to increase that. So nice. That's awesome. Well, you must be doing something right. I want to learn from you. Um, tell me a little bit about, so you run starboard editing. Let's kind of work our way to this point. I'm just curious more of like background of how you ended up, um, starting an editing company. Oh, that's such an interesting story. <laughs> um, I, I will save you all the details and give you the most interesting parts. So basically what happened is I actually majored in geology in school. Um, so like surprisingly, I do not have a background in the arts. I have a background in the sciences. Um, so I started with geology, but geology is also an observational science, which means that the majority of what you do revolves around interpreting what you see. Obviously, there's stuff that can be done in the lab and stuff later on. But for the most part, it all starts with um, making critical decisions about your observations, which also means that the tiniest details in what you're seeing and observing are very, very important. Like the tiniest shade difference between one mineral and another can indicate a different um, atomic structure and a different elemental um, makeup and therefore could indicate whether or not it did or did not lie somewhere near um, some kind of uh, economic um, ore deposit. So it was drilled into me in college to pay attention to like the tiniest details that most people would otherwise just completely pass over as being like um, unimportant. So fast forward, um, I got out of uh, my um, Got out of my major, got an internship. The internship ended early, unfortunately, um, because they thought they had 400 hours or 500 hours for the internship, but turns out they had 400. So they're like, LOL, you're going to be done like in a week instead of a month. I'm like, great, that's super. So um, I was friends with Molly at the time, who was somebody we both know who does education in the boudoir industry now. Um, yeah. But at the time when I met her, I was actually like living next door to her and um, she was a wedding photographer. So she was like traveling a lot and she was just starting her business. So she was basically when she was home, she was editing and that's it. So if I wanted to spend time with her in like the six to eight months of wedding season that exists in Wisconsin, I pretty much like had to sit by her computer with her. So that's what I did. I'd just pull up a chair and like maybe we'd have like a movie running somewhere and kind of listen to it. Just like hang out and watch her do what she did. So fast forward and she moves on like another year or so, I think. And she is like, you know, I really want to do more with my business, but I can't because I don't have the time. And she's like, I really need to outsource my editing. And I'm like, well, and this was like between when my internship ended early and like before I really had a job lined up afterwards, because like I wasn't expecting to need one yet for like another few weeks. And I was like desperate. So I'm like, well, I sat here and watched you edit like literally thousands and thousands of images. Why don't you just show me how you do it? And then I'll do it. And then you'll pay me. And she's like, all right, you have two hours to learn this. If you don't, you're fired. So I was like, okay. So it got, so she taught me how to do it. And I did all right at it, actually, surprisingly. Um, although not surprisingly, considering that I had been trained to pay attention to small detail. Um, so move along, I get good at it. And she obviously moves on with her business and does other things as well. Um, and she's like, you should, you should do this, you know, like professionally, you can do that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to keep it as a side job because I ended up finding a job in my field in the area. Um, thankfully. So I was end up to also get full-time employment besides just part-time working for Molly. And I'm like, I just rather like use the money on the side and use it for travel. Cause like I still had to pay off my student debt, like, Hey, Oh, that big giant thing. So I was like, I, you know, just use it for like fun money and, and travel and stuff like that. So so just did it, kept doing it on the side. And um, so I'm trying to find like the nicest way to say this, but basically on my old job, I got sick of the underlying sexism that was happening. Mm -hmm. 
um, with a lot of the things that were going on. Um, nothing they could outright say, but just, you know, like cultural habits that were happening that I was trying to draw attention to, but wasn't really being listened to. So I eventually said, realized I could make a lot more money doing editing on the side or like full time, like two to three times more money. Like we're talking a substantial amount more money than what I was making at my full time job that I got a degree in. So I was like, hmm, well, peace out, guys. And I just left my job. Um, they were they did work with me at, and first like allow me to drop to 20 hours and then 10 hours and then be like a flex employee. So basically, if they had projects I could work on, they would call me in. Um, and then eventually just cut the ties entirely. And once I didn't need it, but um, so that was a big uh, reason I got to where I am now. Um, Molly introduced me to Jamie also with the modern talk. Um, and that helped a lot because both of them, um, especially Molly at the beginning and then Jamie um, helped me gather the clients I needed to begin with uh, to actually have enough to make a living. So that's kind of how I got from where I was to where I am now. And it's kind of, there's a lot more of that story that's way more hysterical, but we don't have like five hours. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love how it ultimately came out of you just wanting to spend more time with your friend. And you were like, Hey, I can help you with this. If that means we can hang out more. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would, it was like, yeah, sure. Like I literally didn't have any, I didn't have a job, man. Like I didn't have anything else to do. So I'm like, I'm like here do you want to just pay me to do it? And <laughs> like, we'll hang out. <laughs> so yeah. that's what ended up happening. So I love it. And it I, was in I 2010. Was in 2010. I bet there's a lot of photographers out there who have friends that would do the same for them. They're like, dude, I haven't seen you in forever. I know it's, it's like wedding season, like teach me to edit and then we can hang out and I'll get to see you more often. Um, I bet there's people out there. Look, this is really fun. I think the thing that I enjoy about where you came from is, um, I mean, Kimberly, I actually like the fact that you're not a photographer. I think, uh, you know, it's it, like running a business is, um, I don't know. I think it's really neat to get people who are outside of, of the specific field, um, offering services, um, to photographers. What have been some of the unique challenges that you've found though, not being a photographer? Oh, wow. Geez. Like the biggest one is learning how to speak to, to artist brain, to somebody who, is not does not have a scientific background who does not operate in that side of their brain primarily um learning how to understand and translate it to a way that makes sense to me and then translate what i say back to them so they can understand it has been like the big or at least was like now i'm just used to it like it just is what it is and i do and i can like switch back and forth like relatively easily um, but like at the beginning, that was the hardest part. Like I would say, I would try to get um, people to quantify things that they were trying to do. Like, what does brighter mean? Does it mean 0.1 or 0.3? What does that mean? They're like, I don't know, just brighter. I'm like, well, I don't even know what that means. That's not quantifiable. Like, and then eventually just over time got to learn like how artists communicate what they need and how to translate that into something that actually is quantifiable. So in the beginning, that was definitely um, the biggest, the biggest struggle, um, especially coming from like a science background. I'd also had a background in like music too. Um, so I had credit music. So like that was helpful. Um, Cause like, there's a lot of um, uh, squishier terms in music too, in terms of like faster or slower, they don't always give you like the beats per minute, faster or slower. You just kind of know intuitively um, being a musician, whatever you're playing, what that means. So um, it helped a little bit, but it was probably like one of the biggest ones. <laughs> yeah. No, I think this is true though. But this, like, this is one of those things that, like, I think it doesn't matter if you're a artist or not. It's like anytime you deal with someone who who is creating their own art and they have their own idea, they have like like their own definition of what it is. You know what I mean? Uh, like, no matter what, you almost have to learn that specific person's way of defining things. You know what I mean? Like bright to me isn't bright to you. It's not bright to the, to every other photographer out there. So I think there's this unique challenge with that no matter what, but would have been like, I, I think this whole conversation actually of like editing another photographer's work is interesting. I think that some people get, um, really challenged by this concept of like, wait, you don't edit your photographs or you don't edit all of your photographs like you let somebody else touch your artwork is it no longer your artwork i mean are these 
are these kind of um, objections you're having to overcome? Are these conversations that you're having? I have a lot to say about this, <laughs> and I will try to not get too ranty about it. But um, so the first thing, uh, so like, okay, I'm just like trying to organize like the most cohesive way to say it. The first thing that photographers need to understand is that if photography is something they're using to pay their bills, which many are, some are not, and that is totally fine. This is not a right or wrong in terms of are you using this as your primary income source or not? Don't care. That's, that's not my point. But if you are, if this is your primary source of paying your bills or your contribution to your family, I hate to tell you, but you are not an artist first. You are a business person first, and you are an artist second. You have to approach your business like somebody who is a business person. Um, and the way that I like to explain that to people or give an example, I say, think of the, um, let's see, Saks Fifth Avenue, for example. Think of the owner of Saks Fifth Avenue, like the CEO top poncho of the, of the entire company. Is he down there in the store running a cash register? And the answer is no, because he knows that his time is better spent elsewhere, directing the business and making the decisions that only he can make. So he delegates the other jobs to people to work under him so he can spend his time on things that only he can do. So that's what I try and tell people, like, look at all the successful businesses out there. Um, in like bigger successful businesses, obviously, if we're saying with this example, like they have people that they've delegated the work to if it can be done by someone else. Um, so for photographers, I try to then draw another parallel. Um, a lot of the studios that are very successful, like they maybe have like a, a second studio. Like I know a boudoir photographer in Chicago, uh, Chicago pinup boudoir or Chicago pinup style boudoir, one of the two. Um, the owner has another studio in Florida. She has outsourced the entire second studio. She doesn't shoot at both studios. She lives in Chicago. She doesn't shoot in Florida too. So like she is approaching it like a business person. And because of that, her business has seen you know, a large amount of growth. Now, I'm not saying that every photographer's goal should be to open two studios, not at all. But I'm saying that part of the design of success is knowing that you need to delegate out certain tasks if you are to remain successful. Because if you try and do it all, you will burn out and you also not serve your clients because the more tired and stuff that you are and like behind on your deadlines your clients can tell, like, even if you're meeting their deadlines, they can tell if you're burnt out and tired and everything like that. Like as much as you try and hide it and tell yourself they don't or whatever, like they're human beings with their own intuition. Like they can pick up on that too. They may not know exactly something's wrong, but they're going to be able to tell the difference between someone who's able to devote their energy to them as a client and someone who cannot think about it. If anytime you've walked into a business and even though the customer service person is paying attention to you, you can still tell that you're not their focus for whatever reason. You can still tell that like you're not number one and it makes you feel kind of crappy. And then if you go to the business where you can tell that whoever's there working with you is there and present with you at all times, they're there to answer your questions and make you feel heard and really do whatever they can to give you the best experience you know, you're going to walk away feeling valued. So the more you can do that for your clients as a photographer, the better it is um, as well. So that's where I kind of like try and help photographers shape that idea. Like, um, I think that one of the big hurdles that photographers have with the idea of hiring an editor is, I mean, candidly, you're, you're kind of looking at dollars in, dollars out, and you're looking at time in, time out. And the main advantage for having an editor is uh, primarily you'll have more time, right? I think that's that's the primary advantage. And you can correct me uh, if I'm wrong, but I think that's the primary advantage is, is more time. And so I think they're just looking at purely time and dollars. And for many photographers who are early on in their journey, they've got a lot of time and they've got little dollars. In it, and so they're just like out the window with it. What are some of the other advantages that you would maybe argue with that, or not argue with that person, but argue for that person? Like actually it could be a, 
it could be the right move because of XYZ, because it's not just time. What else, what other advantages are there that you've seen? Um, so let's see if this is the right explanation to give. Um, so, okay. So let's go with this example. I'm going to pull up my calculator really quick here on my, on my phone and, um, do a little bit of math. So if you are trying to conceptualize how besides just time, here's the the example that I walk people through. So first of all, let's say that you outsource, let's see, three hours of work for the week of editing work. I pick editing a lot of times. You can definitely outsource more than that. I pick editing because it's such a time suck. Like you can definitely get pulled into that for a very long period of time. So it's one of the easiest ones to pick up on and for photographers to visualize like how much time it takes up in their week. Um, so let's say you outsource three hours of your time um, and, and it's editing work and that three hours costs you um, $150. Now I'm not saying that's like an hourly cost per se, because a lot of editing is done by per image cost, but whatever you would have done for editing in that three hours cost somebody else to do $150. Okay. So let's say it costs you $150. So you're down 150 bucks for the week. However, let's say that you now have three hours in your week. That's enough time to do like an in-person sales session. Um, most photographers I know that do do in-person sales, it's usually like an hour. So even with like prep work and tear down, if you have to, like, you're still looking at probably about three hours, um, on average or less, depending on how smooth it runs for you. So in that three hours of time, you could make a thousand dollars, right? So except most of the photographers I know actually make more than that for IPS. Most photographers I know that do IPS to like 1500 to 2000 and more, but we're just saying like, super conservative here. So let's say um, you're up $1,000 for the week. Now to account for the cost of editing, you'll take 1000 which is what your profit is that you used up with that time, minus 150 which is what costs you to outsource that would give you that time. And then, hang on just a second, my calculator, here we go, 100, there we go, 850 So you have $850 that you're up for the week. Now, multiply that by 52 weeks in the year, and that adds over $44,000 to your bottom line for the year. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that that actually makes assumptions. It obviously makes the assumptions that you will be doing an in-person sale every single week. Um, it makes the assumptions that your marketing and your pricing is on par, so you can actually do that kind of thing. Um, but even if it was half of that, even if it was every other week, you're still looking at over 20,000 you're adding to your bottom line. If you're using that time you would normally spend editing or whatever you decide to outsource to actually move your business forward um, in some capacity. So that's one way I help to see people like, no, it's not just time because your time has a value on it besides just minutes on a clock. It has a monetary value to it. Yeah. And I think, you know, even if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not doing IPS, I think at that time then allows you the, the space, maybe even the mental capacity to even consider switching up your business model to actually begin to do that type of stuff. Like it's, it's not even just actually time. It's also like the mental energy that goes into, um, moving your business forward and continually innovating and looking for opportunities to change. Um, it really is. It's one of those things too, that I, that also to get really practical, I think the, the great thing about editing is that you can kind of hold it on your own plate until it breaks. Like, and then you can kind of unload it. And this is my opinion, Beth. I, th I think you can kind of unload it off your plate pretty quickly if you need to. Like, I think for, for us, we kind of got to that point where eventually we realized, all right, we, we've been stacking up all the time, all the stuff we're trying to do, everything we're building, everything as rapidly as possible. And at a certain point, things start to break. And then we just had to like completely go and jump ship off to an editor and, and, and kind of bail us out. Um, do you feel like it's one of those things that, that you can, um, that you can move over once, once the, what's the, like the final needle on the camel's back? Is that the, what's the phrase? What's the, the, the phrase straw called? on the camel's back. You look for a needle yeah, on the haystack and you put the straw on the camel. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. 
Yeah. I mean, do you agree? Um, so like, yes and no. Like, obviously that's usually where most photographers um, get to when they outsource. And I agree that it's good to at least realize it and realize, okay, I need to take a step back. But what I do for people is actually, I recommend like being able to hone in on right before that happens. Because usually once you get to that point, you're kind of getting... Pre- you're maybe not you in particular, but like what I've seen with other photographers is once they get to that point, they're kind of reaching burnout um, and they've let a lot of other aspects in their life or even their business like really kind of start to slide. That they're going to have to play catch up on. So usually instead was I have people walk through an exercise. I have people get out an hourly calendar, like from like 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. or however long you're awake for the day. Um, for like the entire seven days of the week. Um, And I have them look at like the upcoming months. Um, And I like how many shoots they have and how many weddings they have and so on. And what I have them do is walk through the calendar and plan out the average week. You can do one week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, like however many you really want based on if you're actually going on like an average of what you have going on, if you're actually looking at your calendar at, okay, this week, this is what I have going on, you know, that kind of thing. So what I have people do is just walk through it and block off time. Okay. So they block off time for, um, this is how long on average, if you're going just like on average, like this is how long per week on average I spend editing and, and client, you know, communications and meetings and editing and, um, marketing and networking and, oh, there's this event that I usually go to. I have to block off time for that. Um, and then uh, at the actual shooting, obviously, location scouting, if you do that. So what I have people do is like start to block off their time. And if they're getting to the point where they're looking at it, looking at it and realizing that, first of all, there isn't enough time for it. Second of all, they haven't had a single instance where they've put family or friends on that calendar. Then there's a problem. So it's a, a way that people can kind of conceptualize before it gets bad, when it could possibly get bad. Because um, if you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, it's I am looking at 20, 25 hours of work here. You know, that's not that bad. You know, but if you're looking at it, you're going, geez, I'm at like 80 hours this week or I would be under these like circumstances. Then it's like, OK, well, then you need to start thinking about getting help, because when you're working 80 hours a week, training in somebody else and editing is probably not going to be one thing you want to add to your schedule, even though obviously it will help in the long run. It's like try and find a way to be aware of when you're going to reach that point before you reach it. And that's usually one way I have people do it. Another way is I have people and this is more like bigger mindset stuff. Um, another way I have people do it is to. Um, uh, take two different schedules, same thing, hourly calendars, two different ones. Take one that they have now and kind of like before, plot out your average week, how much time you spend editing, friends, family, everything, like realistic, be realistic about it too. And say, oh, it takes an hour to check email in the morning. Well, if it takes you an hour and a half because you're on Facebook for a half an hour in that hour, then it takes you an hour and a half. Like, like be realistic about it. Then I have people take the second calendar and plot out their ideal week where like when they start working, what time they're done, how much they spend shooting, how much they spend marketing, how much time they um, spend editing, or if they don't want to edit at all, I tell them to admit it entirely. Or if they don't want to do customer service at all, I tell them to admit that time entirely. Um, But before they even do that, I have them plot out on their schedule the things that they want to focus on every single week. If that's having dinner with your family, having a friend's night, making sure you go to the gym and so on. So that goes first. And then it goes like all the things you want to do for your business, like the shooting or whatever, omitting or eliminating or decreasing the amount of time for things that you don't want to be doing or in such a way that it decreases the amount of time you're working. Then I have people compare the two. And if the schedules are the same, awesome. You're doing great. If they're not, then it may be time to start think to start to think about outsourcing, to start to design the business around your life instead of your life around your business. Because if you let your business go, it will run your life, like just hands down, like it will take off and become a thing of its own if you don't rein it in. And 
you really need to be mindful of that. He's already feeling that. Like, man, I'm on the treadmill and I can't, I just don't see a way off right now. Like, I don't know how, like I'm looking at my bills, I'm looking at my hours and like things aren't lining up. It just seems a little too daunting and they feel too buried. Uh, Do you have any advice for getting off that treadmill? Podcast listeners, I apologize for interrupting the interview, but I just I have to give a shout out to two big supporters of the industry, two big supporters of the SFP podcast. And so I'm going to be brief here. The first is the Giphy booth. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, it is essentially a photo booth, but it is a modern, fresh, uh, new take on a photo booth. It makes animated GIFs and photographs. Now, here's the deal. I'm a working wedding photographer. I am not a photo booth owner. And I want you guys to understand this. This is perfect. If you are a photographer first, out shooting events, uh, portraiture, that type of thing, this booth is amazing because it requires so little work. Like I've, I've had other photo booths. I still own another photo booth, but the Giphy booth is the thing that I love because I just get to set it up in under five minutes. It, it's like a, it's the size of like a laptop bag, essentially. Um, it automates everything once you're done with an event. Uh, it's such an easy upsell. And one of the great things about it is, because it takes so little overhead to actually run uh, an event that I essentially get to pass that savings on to my client. And so I can I can charge less for it, do more events and remain so much more stress-free. It also has like built-in marketing tools. You guys just need to check it out. It is called the Giphy Booth. Go check it out at giphy.com, G-I-F, yyy.com three y's g-i-f-y-y-y.com by the way use the coupon code sfp2017 for some dope discounts maybe just mention my name dude you know ben hartley sfp2017 uh is the code uh to go check this thing out i own one and i promise you i'm buying another this year as well next up on my thank you list is freedom edits you guys look the end of the day you can't grow your business if you are doing everything it's just a it's a fact that we all have to face. And to have somebody who's doing the bulk editing, by the way, when I say bulk editing, like I get to still, you get to still choose to edit the photographs that you want to edit, the beautiful portfolio shots, the stunning bridal portraits, whatever it is that you get excited about, please keep editing that. But all of the bulk stuff that slowly kills your soul, please go check out Freedom Edits and have them take care of it because they're going to give you consistent results with personal touch. This is the thing. It's the personal touch, like the intentional decisions that that uh, Freedom Edits, by the way, in-house editors, not like outsourced, in-house editors make, I freaking love because they're actually making intentional creative decisions and not just doing these like robotic choices where you get images back and you're like, why did they expose for that? They like, like any normal creative would have understood that there was an off-camera flash and, and done this right. Freedom Edits will do it right, you guys. I freaking love them. Go check out Freedom Edits. By the way, uh, it's freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. That's where you need to go. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free, you guys. Again, just mention my name, Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free. Like, Do you want to save a couple days this week? Then go do this right now. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. Hartley. All right, let's get back to the show. So what I usually tell people first is like in terms of like, so I have, I would have someone go through that exercise. I would have them come up with their ideal week. And then I would say, okay, so what are you doing or not doing on your ideal week that makes it different? Are you, do you have no time set aside for customer service or no time set aside for editing? Okay. Then that may be somewhere that you start. So think of the stuff you don't want to do or, you know, in your business and then start to look for help doing that because you can, I actually know someone who like a boudoir photographer, she outsourced her customer service and studio support way before she outsourced editing, which usually a lot of people are the other way around. Um, Cause like that was something she just didn't, it's not that she didn't want to work with the customers at all by any means. It's just that email can be a time suck too. So she's like, you know what? I'm better off just working with people like once they've committed to book and like hiring customer service specialists to work with people kind of like on the onboarding process when they first inquire. Um, I'm better off working with them once they've decided, once they've committed. Um, so like think of it that way. And then from there, it becomes time to like look for um, someone to do it for you. 
Um, so you can look online, like Facebook groups, you can ask and that kind of stuff. So that's usually what I re- recommend to people because one of the first things of making sure you have a business that you love is not doing things that you hate. <laughs> like there are things, still be things you have to do that you aren't super favorite of, but if you really want to design the business to suit you, then only do the things you want to do and outsource the rest, or at least that's the goal. So have you read the book, um, money is killing your business, Beth? No. It sounds like my thing, though. Yeah, it is. I really recommend this to all listeners. Um, I heard about this from, I think it was Brandon Stiles. I'm pretty sure it's Brandon Stiles. Uh, He was on the podcast. Um, Money, making money is killing your business. And it's just all about, uh, and I'm so, I'm sure so many photographers will relate to this. Like we are constantly in this, uh, there's multiple cycles of, of business stages. Um, and like stage two is kind of one of the ones we get stuck in where we are, it's just generating sales. It's like trying to keep the thing going. We need money. We need sales. We need to like get people in the door. We need clients. And then we, and then stage three is to be able, once you actually get all this contact, then you have to execute, you've got to deliver on your product. And I think photographers, specifically wedding photographers, maybe with the cycle that we're on, we're constantly in the cycle of like freak out at the beginning of the year uh, to try to get our calendar booked, to try to get the sales in. And we're spending all of our energy, all of our time on that. And then we get them. And then we freak out because now we've got to deliver on the product and we freak out. We spend all of our time doing that. And then we look up and we realize that 2019 is in two months. And then we freak out again, trying to figure out how to do it. And the business never grows. It just stays in this cycle. And the book is all about um, the fact that making money is killing your business. And you will you will eventually either A, fail to, fail to actually complete the cycle and make money one year and your business won't actually fail. Or B, you'll just give up. You'll just be like, F this noise, I'm out. This is just not what I thought it was going to be. And so there's got to be another solution that that pulls you uh, to the next stage, stages, I should say. Um, so I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. It's really melting my face and exploding my heart right now. And so Beth, definitely check it out. Listeners, definitely check it out. Um, money, making money is killing your business. And I'd, I'd have to Google. I can pull it up right now. I can see who's who's the author. But I'll get a link on the show notes as well. Um, yeah, any any thoughts on that? Any riff on that before I move on to my next my next hot topic question? Because my next one's a good one. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. Um, let's see. I did have something. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So I just spoke at a conference. It was a boudoir conference. It was actually Molly's conference. Um, here in the city that I live, and I had people say, you know, I, I had them walk through. Like I so like I gave a talk, but I did mine a little bit differently. I actually made people do these exercises. <laughs> during my talk. So there was like this 10 minutes of like awkward, no sound, but it totally paid off. Um, so like I had people like write it down and ask people afterwards. I'm like, okay, what are the differences? What are you noticing? And someone, someone just looked at me from like, it was, it was a pretty small conference, which is great. So you're able to actually like talk and interact with so many people. And, but that also means like from the stage, I'm able to like look people in the face. And even though I'm on stage and they're not still like have a conversation with them. So like, I was just looked at her and I could see her face and she's like, I picked up my daughter from school. And I was like, part of me like broke on the inside. I'm like, Oh man, like, where are you in such a place where like, that's all that you want from your life. Not that that's a bad thing to want, but just being so stressed with everything else and like so focused on their business that you're missing out on these tiny little joys, you know, that you could have. And it was just like, it just stuck with me. Just like the look on her face of realization of like, what am I doing versus, and like, what am I letting my business do? You know, why is this, why am I not in control anymore? Um, and then one of the other ladies that came up to me afterwards, she's like, I just realized like, why am I doing this to myself? Cause she says she does, um, newborn editing, which, um, for any of the listeners out there, newborn editing is, is very tricky. Newborn skin tones are really tough to work with. And she's like, I just spent hours behind the computer working on it. And she's like, I heard your talk. And she's just like, it just made me wonder why am I doing this to myself? And I'm like, exactly. Like that's the light bulb moment. (laughs) Like why, like why, but it's easy to get caught up in the minutia and that's what happens. So like my job is to help people, you know, have a reality check for a minute and kind of come back to it and be like, okay, wait a second, let's step back here and evaluate. Is this the way I want my life to be? Is this the way I want my business to be? Is this business serving me? If it's not, how does it need to change? What about it needs to change? 
how do I go about getting yep. help for that? So that's kind of like my last kind of two cents on that. Um, and then it's intent. Like you have to actually want it, like, and actually set up, set aside the time to do it, to actually like start chasing after this stuff. Like it won't just, I mean, hey, this is an obvious statement, but it won't just happen. Like it really does take uh, intentionality and desire to want the business to change and to grow and then to reverse engineer how to do it. And this just, if that's where you're at, if you want to grow your business, you want to level up your game, you want to have a life that's more free, then you have to reverse engineer what it's going to take to get there. And this just is a critical step of it. And it's not glamorous and it's not sexy. It's not fun. It is spending money. Um, it is releasing a bit of your um, artistic touch on the photographs. Um, but if it's what you want, then it's going to, it's just a part of it. It really is. Let me ask you a question. No, I have There's one more thing. Stop there a second. Yeah. yeah. So like you like segued into like one of my, one of my main talking points in my, when I, when I give actual talks, um, if you are lying on your, this is going to get real. So like if you're lying on your deathbed and you are dying, are you going to look back on your life and say, I'm so glad I edited every single image so the white balance was so perfect and the exposure was spot on. I'm so glad that that's where I spent my time and energy. No, it's not. It is not. It will never be that. You will always look back on it and think about, I'm so glad the time I spent with friends and family. I'm so glad for the difference that I made in my clients' lives. It will never be that minutia of, of those finer details of editing, like, or, you know, I'm so glad I was able to send all of those emails just exactly the way I wanted. Those will not be the things that stand out as highlights of your life when you come to the end of it. So why are you focusing on them now? I'm not saying that yeah, you need to like shove them off and be like, Oh, whatever. I don't care. Quality doesn't matter. I have bigger things. Like I would never say that, but it's like, I like, you need people to kind of like, look at the bigger picture here of, you know, bringing it into perspective. Yeah. It's, um, it's so on the same topic, but a completely different direction. Uh, do you watch the office? Uh, uh no, I, I don't like, I don't think it's funny. Like I just, it's just, what? I know you're dead to me. <laughs> like, you're dead to me. there's this, there's an episode of the office with Michael Scott, who's one of my favorite characters. who's the boss. He's like, you know, people always ask this question of like at the end of your life and you're sitting in your deathbed, you know, would you rather spend more time at office at the office? And he's like, you know what? I think I, I think I would have. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so there it is. <laughs> so there it is. And listeners out there who appreciate the office will be chuckling in their car seat right now. <sighs> um, that made it sound like they were toddlers in, in the back of the minivan in the car seat. Never mind. Um, <laughs> look, here's the, here's the hot topic question. There are photographers who are listening to this right now and they have hired an editor in the past that has disappointed them. They're in a current relationship, a working relationship with an editor right now that is pissing them off, that keeps delivering inconsistent results that it's just a convert. It's like it's back and forth and it's a back and forth and a back and forth. And, and it always feels like one step forward, two steps back. Um, and it's frustrating. I'm, I'm talking from experience. If you can't tell me getting a little heated here. So I know this happens. How, how like, do you have any advice? Uh, like, what do you do if you're outsourcing and it's a bad experience? Hi, my name is Ben and I'm angry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, no, I totally get it. It is really frustrating. Um, and I have had, it's not often, but I've had a couple clients that didn't work out with me either. And like, that's fine. Sometimes, however you are as a person and they are as a person for whatever reason, just aren't able to communicate in such a way that um, is understood. And it's not that either of you are wrong. It's just that however method you're using to communicate for whatever reason doesn't resonate with the other person that happens. That's life. <laughs> you are never going to encounter any subcontractor or friend or person or like even service provider at another store you go to that will always understand you and what you need like 100% right off the bat. And you will always walk away from some and be like, man, I tried with that person at the collar dealership every single time that I go in for an oil change and they just do not get me every single time. So like that happens. So it's at that point, you have to decide you you can keep doing what you're doing or you can um, and try and help them or you can move on. Um, in the topic of helping them. So I would ask people, like, first of all, you have to manage your expectations when you're working with somebody. Like there, there's always going to be a learning curve at the beginning. And there will always be things that come up like every once in a while where you just kind of have to rein it back in. Like, hey, I noticed on such and such an images, it's been getting a little 
XYZ, you know, write it in a little or, you know, touch it up a little bit, which is fine. It happens to me. I can just think just the uh, other, like a few months ago, one of my event photographers, she's like, hey, just, you know, want to make sure you remember, like, some of the images for the events are getting a little grainy in the shadows. Just remember to, like, keep that, you know, front of mind or whatever. So, like, every once in a while that happens. Like, she sent one email, done. You know, like, it's just, like, things will come up. Um, the other one is, like, manage your expectations in the sense that it will be a learning curve. Second of all, you actually have to train them. So, like, yeah. think about how you – what I always suggest to people is um, to provide them a Lightroom catalog with some of the images that they've edited. So I say Lightroom specifically because you can walk through the edit history um, so you can see, like, what they've done. Uh, in the edit so you can see it from straight out of camera and then what they changed on it and then walk through those changes and notice oh they made it more contrasty you know you know here or there or they made it warmer or something like that that kind of thing so that's really helpful second of all make a video like spend a half hour editing something or like a smattering of images of different types of weddings or portraits or whatever you do different lighting setups and like talk through how you edit be like this is how I edit these images and this is what I'm looking for I'm looking for this image I've exposed it here properly and I can tell it's exposed properly because on the subject space it's just starting to lose the tiniest bit of detail on the brightest parts of their face so their forehead nose and chin uh, and the apples of their cheek and I would consider that well exposed I may expose a little bit more than that if the rest of the image is very dark and there's a light drop off but for the most part I still have details in the shadows here and I can still work the shadows a little bit more to bring in more detail if I want. So from here, I would consider this to be good more often than not. And given how I shoot, this is usually how I expose images. So like just talk through it. Just like talk about what you're doing. If you're noticing that an image is too um, warm or too cool or too bright, where are you looking in the image that is indicating that to you? And that's a hard thing to kind of think about because you're like well I just look at it it's like no you're actually looking at it in more detail than you realize you just have to be cognizant of what that is so um what I had so that's what I have people do is like make a video and talk through some of that kind of stuff um and that'll help secondly um or thirdly I don't know where we are like point f I don't know um is like sure. critique the work that they send back if it's not right um, say, okay, this is what you did. This is what I would have differently. Make a video, talk through it, show examples, or at least provide, provide an after image of what you edited so they can compare it. I actually keep on file comparison images for my clients all the time. So like if they ever, then this is like, especially true, like at the beginning of a relationship when you're first starting to learn like what they're looking for um, is I'll keep like a set of files on hand, like of what I've edited and then there are differences. It'll be like bright, too bright. Like that'll be like the name of the file that I save. <laughs> like nobody knows what it means except me. Um, but I know that when I'm looking at it, I compare it to like, this is what bright or, you know, good exposure looks like to them or good white balance or something. Um, so that's one of the other things you can do is make sure you're providing that critique. And if it's hard to do um, by email or text, um, I would say like make a video Use Loom, so like U-S-E-L-O-O-M dot, I think it's dot com, pretty sure it's dot com. Um, it allows you to make free screen captures, and it's really easy. Like, yeah, I love yeah, Loom. It's yeah, awesome. exactly. So as soon as you're done, it like automatically generates a link to the video, and you just send it off. So like, or you can make it like YouTube videos or whatever too. Um, but yeah, that's another way I use to discuss it. And if for whatever reason, like if you've told them like a couple of few times and they're still not getting it, it may be time to move on and look for somebody else. Like. The, not everybody that you meet in your life will be absolutely perfect for you right off the bat. Like it just doesn't happen. So, but all of a sudden when it happens to photographers, like, Oh my God, they didn't understand what I mean right away. when I said this, like they freak out, like it's never going to be never going to work again. It's like, do you understand everybody that you talk to or, you know, like talks to you outside of your business? Like, no, this is a relationship just like any other, you know, like just because it's been crappy once it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to again. Um, so it's like, I definitely um, think to like try again. If you've tried a few editors at that point, if you've tried a few editors and it's still not working out, I say it's like, this is, this is like the tough love part. It's time to look at you. Like what are, what are your expectations? Why is it not working out? Is it something you're communicating? If you still have relationships with those editors in any way, like, and you need feedback, if they're willing to talk, ask them like, why isn't this working? And if they're being honest and it is something with 
with you, if it is, they will say you are, you know, you're inconsistent in what you need or want, you know, or like the examples that you provide are inconsistent from one another. Um, and they'll be honest with you. So then it gives you an opportunity to assess what you're doing so you can make changes to make it easier moving forward. Now, I'm not saying every single time it's going to be you. Absolutely not. Um, there are totally some like terrible editors out there for sure. But you also can't disregard the fact that at some point, if it continuously does not work out, it may be time to start looking like inward and be like, okay, what am I communicating that's not getting her up across properly or something like that. For sure. Last question. Do you have, um, do you have any, uh, opinions, recommendations? It's probably a little bit different depending on what your needs are, but like, you know, there's a lot of different editing models out there. One being, you know, where you don't quite know who's editing your work. Um, maybe it's a group, maybe it's not. And then the other kind of model where you, where you have a little bit more of that personal touch, you know, who's editing the photographs, um, more of an individual, um, with a consistent basis. Do you have any opinion on, on structure of, uh, what you've seen work best for, for photographers and, and the kind of ever evolving photography space. Do you want to weigh in on that? Yeah. So, um, honestly, either can work. It just entirely depends on you and what your standards are. And I don't mean that to say that some photographers have terrible standards. I mean, to say that some photographers are more than happy with just someone who takes the image and optimizes it as best that it can be and recognizes that one person may do it different than another. So like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but for the most part, what I've seen to work best is generally places that do allow you to work, um, with the same editor, um, consistently. And that's what I'm trying to build in my business too, is like always pairing photographers with the same editor because, um, not only just like quality of work too. So like, that's, that's obviously part of it, um, inconsistency, but just ease of use. Like I like with some of the photographers I've been working with now for three or four years, I'm able to instinctively know how they're going to want certain images edited, even if we've never necessarily come upon a situation like whatever I'm editing before, just because it's like, okay, I've worked with this person long enough. I know what they're looking for. I know that because this image is difficult for lighting or venue or whatever, it's not going to be perfect just because it is what it is. But I know that they will consider this to be the best it can get given the circumstances. So that's another one. It's just like convenience of being able to like kind of guess um, what the other person is going to want. So, but yeah, I see that generally working the best, um, but certainly not the only way uh, to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just like, it's like a, the, I think one of the advantages is the communication is there. It's always the same. Like you don't have to restart, um, you know, in the past, you know, I've seen just like having to re-explain. Do do you ever have this happen where you call up a customer service person and you explain your problem, uh, to them, let's say it's a Verizon or something like that. And then they listen to it and they're like, Oh yep, I'm going to need to connect you to this representative (laughs) or this department. And then the person picks up the phone and they're like, hi. And you're like, hi, do you know what? No. Oh, you need me to explain it again. And just kind of like rehashing through everything. I think one of the luxuries that you have with, with, you know, a smaller team, one, one individual, whatever it may be is, is the communication is just there. Like you're not having to re-explain yourself over and over. Yeah, that's for sure. Like another advantage too that I've seen is just like they get one person, they have to explain it to like ideally like once or maybe fine tune it a second time, you know, but for the most part, it's not. Um, But yeah, that is the other advantage too, is that like there's less um, communication back and forth overall. I love it. Look, um, Beth, where can people find you online? Where can they check out your editing service and see what you are? Yeah. Up to? So like my main website is the main hub, um, starboardediting.com. Um, and that's where you can find most everything. Um, as far as like social platforms are all linked on the website. Um, so that's it's the best place to kind of find like a hub to find anything, um, related to me. So Love it. We'll get all those links in the show notes to everybody. Beth, thank you so much for being here, for dropping some knowledge, uh, for really kind of pushing photographers 
uh, to start thinking about this stuff. If they're, if they're wanting, you know, to take their business seriously, if they're wanting to grow, uh, and evolve and look for opportunities to change, um, I just appreciate the challenge. I think it's, it's a hard one. Um, I think we get comfortable. And so it's really refreshing having these episodes on where, uh, where we get to push a little bit. So I really appreciate sure. that. Can I say, can I make one final point? We hadn't had like a good lead in, but it's like one of my main things. Okay. So another way that I try to help people like this, this helps drive it home for people, um, or it has in the past. So I really want to make sure it's communicated. Um, one of the things I always tell people if they're still struggling with it, which I get it, it's hard to, it's hard to let go. Is I tell people to take a moment to, um, think about their clients. Um, one of the things, and I'll tell a little bit of story here first. Uh, for example, I saw a photographer post in a Facebook group. Um, and he said, I just got a text or email. I can't remember. Um, from a client and her husband was in, and I have permission to share this story, by the way. Um, her husband was in a terrible car accident. Um, he was hit by a vehicle in front of their house. Um, and she had to witness all of it. Like she just happened to be there when it happened. And it went so far as the priest coming to his bedside, uh, in the hospital. So we're talking like pretty dire situation for whatever reason, the post didn't go into details. Um, uh, he, he was able to turn it around, his health around. Uh, and he was able to, at some point, go home and continue healing. Since he was home, he had looked through his wedding album every single day that he was home. And it had been one of the things that had really helped him improve and keep in a better mindset. Um, so obviously what photographers are doing is important. Secondly, what I tell people is look at your testimonials. Think back to all the wonderful things your clients have said about you. You know, how easy you were to work with, like how you made them feel. Um, one of my friends, I don't know if you know him, James Day. He's from Australia. Um, yeah. I love James. He's great. Um, he was talking about how one of his um, testimonials was, I think it was like on a public place, like either like his business or like Google or somewhere. It was like a testimonial was saying like, how much they appreciated the fact that he took two minutes out of the wedding day to just put his camera down and help grandma take a picture with an iPad. Like these are the things your clients are going to remember. Now looking at your testimonials, is there anywhere in those testimonials that your client said, Oh my God, the white balance, you nailed it at the reception. It was so hard with all that difficult lighting. I just know how hard it was, but it was so perfect. I'm always going to look at this picture and remember how perfect this white balance is. Like that was never going to be anything that they notice or care about because they are not trained to know those things. They, what they will notice is how you treat them, the customer service that you give, the way that you make them feel valued, the way you make them feel important like the pieces that they get to keep that will forever be important to them. Just like the example with the gentleman who was in a car accident. These are the things that they care about. Now I'm not saying that you need to just be like, you know, whatever, I'll do a crappy job editing because my clients won't notice. I'm not saying that I'm saying you still have to deliver something that's on brand and that is still a quality of work that you'd expect. But what I'm saying is you need to let go of the perfectionism a little bit because in the end, that is not something your clients know about or even care about. I challenge anyone out there to find a client who understands, like, who's not a photographer. Like, by all means, sometimes photographers, like, work with other photographers, for sure. Who a single one, like, has any understanding of what, like, perfect or correct, like, white balance or exposure is. And you probably won't because that's not what they're focused on. So instead, put your energy and your time into the things that your clients will remember about you. And I guarantee you, your business will be better off because you're making the client experience better. So like, that's my little soapbox that I try and get people to understand, like, don't do crappy work because you think it will go unnoticed because that's not okay. But at the same time, let go of the minutia and focus on what matters. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you need to be in business in order to keep giving people these memories, in order to keep giving feels, and in order to keep producing artwork, you have to stay in business. Right. Um, That's actually, so it exactly it. For yeah. you to continue serving, you have to remember what is serving in the minds of your clients. What do they need to feel served? You know, like, and a lot of times it's not what you think it is, um, which is understandable because, you know, you're, they're coming to you for something they can't do, but it's like you need that reality check sometimes.
Yep. Beth, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Listeners, um, make sure to head over to Sto- uh, Starboard Editing uh, and check out Beth's work. I want to encourage you guys as well. Um, look, I don't want the conversation to end here on the podcast. It, it's so fun that you guys get to listen in and hear hear this conversation between Beth and I, but I would love for there to be a conversation between you, the listener, whoever you are, between you and me, like the ability for you to actually um, dialogue with me. And so I want to invite you to this. Look, weekly, I'm on Facebook doing live videos. I treat every live video on Facebook as a Q&A opportunity. I'm usually on there riffing about something or another, but look, if you catch me live, head over to Six Figure Photography Facebook page, make sure to turn on notifications notifications. There's like 200 plus live videos there. Go and check out that content, but look for me live. Say hi, throw some hearts up, some, 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 uh, some emojis and ask me questions, guys. It's an opportunity for us, you and I to actually have a dialogue. I look forward to seeing you there or on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. 